This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. It's Chris and Jeremy, and we're here for our uh, weekly Youth Worker Recharge, where uh, we hope to pour a little bit of uh, comfort and energy and life back into the soul of the youth worker. Um, and at the same time, there's a ton of things going on um, in the life of the United Methodist Church. And so yep. uh, this this uh, conversation today is probably going to be a little bit more denominationally focused than most of our conversations. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you know a little bit about the United Methodist Church or a lot about the United Methodist Church, you know that there's... Um, current conversations about disaffiliation and uh, new denominations coming out of uh, the denomination that has been the United Methodist Church since the 1960s. Right. And um, which, you know, I think that piece, just even what you said there, since the 1960s, we have, this is not the first time this has happened in this denomination and in other denominations but it is something that we are going through right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in some really significant ways, right? Like conversations have been there for a long time, but there's like some sort of official meetings and movements and those kind of things that are starting to happen related to disaffiliation um, and what looks like, um, you know, either independent churches or new denominations coming out of the United Methodist Church. And uh, <laughs> Jeremy, you and I both know. Um, two types of people that have been working through this kind of news, right? Um, and the first right. kind that we want to talk about are the people that are just starting to get consumed by all of the news about disaffiliation and kind of starting to right. freak out about it and not engage with that stuff in a really healthy way. Yeah, that's a, that's a major part of, of this. You know, there's been, um, for many of you over the summer, at uh, your your sort your annual conference, like this subset of the uh, denomination, this that, that makes all kinds of decisions, that owns property and all of that, they made they approved uh, some churches for disaffiliation um, to become their own independent church or to join with another denomination, and that has started to hit people's radar even more than it already was. And, and when that happens, there's just a lot more talk. It comes in the newspaper, all of that. And, and, and it's important for us to really think through what that means for you as a youth worker, what that means for us as a, a church. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's one of these groups. And, and there are more people in that group than, than were because it's just coming more to the forefront. Yeah, and and it is important to be able to pay attention to because it, it's one of those future is now kind of things, right? Where right. there is a lot happening, and what you know the the ideas that people have talked about for you know several years or decades, for that matter, um, are really starting to happen. And so, being in good relationship with your church staffs, with your senior pastor, uh, knowing the processes and the conversations that are taking place at your local church for um, 
you know, what, uh, how are we going to continue to be part of the United Methodist Church or what might any conversations that we have to have about disaffiliation look like in our context? Those are really important right. conversations to be able to have. And at the same time, um, that news or, you know, that information really hits the youth worker uh, or church staff in a different way than it hits the youth who are part of your ministry. Right. Yeah, it, it hits you. It hits you in a different way on a lot of different levels because not only are you talking about the ministry, are you talking about your students? You're also talking about your livelihood uh, if you're being paid, and if you're not being paid, you're talking about um, people uh, people who put a lot of work into your local church, that local organization, um, as a volunteer. Yeah. And, and for youth themselves as well, um, the way that the information is going to hit them is different than the way that the information would hit an adult. Right. And some of that is developmental. Um, some of that is also just like the investment level that we've had sort of in the life of the church over, you know, multiple years or the way that we engage with our faith as adults. Um, you know, I, I think about youth, <clears throat> particularly those that, you know, continue to be active and, and want to be active in the life of the church when they see and hear adults arguing mm-hmm. um, hopefully those are healthy arguments right like there right. is <laughs> there is a good way to be able to argue there is a good way to be able to treat each other in difficult times um and i do think that you know being able to have youth in those meetings or in those places where uh, conversations are happening, sometimes that can actually help the adults behave a little bit better um, <laughs> than they might if it was sometimes. just a room full of adults. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think that youth, you know, really often have a very, very clear um, and unobstructed understanding of what they think is right and what they yep. think is wrong, right? Like, uh, as we grow to be adults, we've talked about this a couple of different times in the, you know, brain development and science kind of episodes that we do. But like, with adults, conversations become more nuanced. Um, right. And with young people and with youth, uh, even into young adulthood, um, often issues are like one thing or the other, right? There, There's yeah. not these levels of nuance or different ways to understand a thing. Something is right or something is wrong. Um, and so engaging people in healthy conversation, especially young people, is is super duper tough. And if you find yourself as a volunteer youth worker or a paid youth worker getting overly stressed or, you know, not able to talk about disaffiliation processes or the life of the denomination without getting yourself stressed and worked up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably not a, not a good sign for how you could lead a healthy conversation with young people because they're going to see you get worked up and they're going to emotionally connect with that, right? They're going to um, emote with you and empathize and right. they're going to take on your worry. They're going to take on your concern, even if they don't know what they're worried about. Right. And, and that's important. And that's how it works with a lot of things, right? With all kinds of belief systems, all, all of that. When you are strongly expressing a, an opinion or emotional connection to something, um, they're going to, if, they, if they've got a good relationship with you, uh, they will be sort of instantly drawn into accepting that and mirroring your attitude and orientation towards, towards that. Um, which is why when we're talking about sort of belief formation, it's really important for us to give voice to multiple uh, perspectives and all of that. Um, 
and you can give your churches uh, positions that this is the United Methodist position on this. Um, but got to be careful in saying this is my position on this because then it, it kind of can short circuit their formation of those beliefs. And in the same way that we're doing this uh, right now, um, uh, yeah, in the same way that we're having this conversation about this, that it's not uh, it's not always necessarily about a belief formation, but just the orientation towards this disaffiliation issue, uh, the same kind of things can happen. Yeah. Um, there's another group as well. So, so there is like a group of adults that are just sort of being consumed because there is so much media and so much news and so, so many stories, you know, kind of coming out about um, remaining with the UMC or disaffiliating and, and the different shapes and tangents it can go on. Um, and then there's another group that are just sort of, um, blissfully ignoring all of that stuff right and and trying to right. just sort of go about business as usual um and I, I guess i would like to lift up and maybe get your take on this as well jeremy is like i think that that approach is almost equally as unhealthy as getting consumed by too much information um because yeah. to to not engage and to to not pay attention to the water that you're swimming in or the environment mm-hmm. that you're living in uh i think shorts young people in your ministry because then they do not get the opportunity to engage in your church's conversations about it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as United Methodists, um, as soon as a, uh, a teenager in your church is confirmed, um, or if they show up later, uh, after confirmation happens and they, they join in another route, um, they're full members of your church. And, and and I think it's it's important because there's this line that we have to walk here and that they deserve to be well informed and uh, of what of their role to play. Um, and at the same time, there's a lot of work, good work and good ministry to be done that doesn't have anything to do with this disaffiliation stuff. And so... Um, it's just like uh, as a youth worker, right? You, you've got to know what's happening. You've kind of got to get a sense of what's ha- what, where your church is, what's happening within your church. If your church is, you know, considering, you know, taking some sort of vote or or having listening sessions, right? you need to stay informed of that. And the students need to know what their role is in that. Um, but if that's all that you talk about and all that you empower them to do, um, that's that's problematic. Um, because a, a lot of times as we are a lot of um, youth workers or young adults, and uh, when you hear older adults that are passionate about something, that are fighting about something, talking about making a decision or voting, that kind of stuff, sometimes I can feel like that's going to happen right now. Um, but the reality of this particular situation is it it could happen today or tomorrow, right? But because of the way this all is working out with the denomination and with the the way the structures and the systems of the church uh, are are promoted are, are are scheduled and and legislation and then you have the pandemic, they could be really passionate about it and talking about doing something about it, and they might not do anything for a couple of years, right? So getting your student that is passionate about this issue involved and like on it um that could be 
really wasting some of that passion and fr- really frustrating to them and to you as if a tr- if your church ends up waiting two years to do anything um, sure. and or just sort of doing nothing, right? Sure. Well, and <clears throat> even apart from this, uh, you know, conversation about disaffiliation that seems to dominate a lot of stuff, um, I, you know, I, I think every youth that is part of the United Methodist Church that has become a professing member, like, right, that would be the mm-hmm. technical term after you've done confirmation or become a member at a local church, um, whatever church votes or meetings, or, you know, like you've got a right to be able to be at those things. And, you know, I, I don't know if enough youth really know that one. Um, and number two, like, I mean, obviously they're like, you know, grown up meetings that can be kind of boring, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, all my love, Chris, all my love to the ad kind of boring. and the trustees and everybody else that's out there. Right. But um, <laughs> the, the church, you know, the, the United Methodist Church is set up in such a way that like there are representatives to be able to to be in place in those meetings. And honestly, the youth perspective and the young adult perspective can be super valuable to the life of a church. Um, I've met, I've met very few churches who would say, no, we don't care about young people or what they think. Um, often they'll say that they care, um, but sometimes don't really know where to start. And so you as the youth leader or the person that can kind of connect, a young person who might be gifted and passionate to serve in that sort of leadership role or that perspective sharing role, you know what, get help to get them on a church council or help them to, to be in meetings and give voice to the things that they care about in their community and help the rest of the church see the things that young people are seeing. Um, that will, yeah. that will be and I think, really important as the disaffiliation conversations continue over the next couple of years. Right. And so one thing that you uh, need to think through as um, a youth leader um, that is engaged, not overly, um, uh, but also assisting your students is understanding where, uh, how to get reliable information. Um, As with everything at this, and I don't know why this is, why we're living in this moment in time, uh, but Right now, reliable information on any number of subjects um, is is a thing that we have to think through, right? Do you want to know and who I really blame for that, Jeremy? I would love to know. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, I thought you were going to say Barney. Uh, but, no, Obi-Wan um, Kenobi, because like in that, in New Hope, man, um, everything's true from a certain point of view. And all of a sudden that like idea of relative truth and that kind of stuff um, right. came about. So yeah, like we're living in this time of alternative facts and relative truth and disinformation and misinformation. And let me just tell you, like, just like you don't want to figure out whether or not you should take an antibiotic by just doing a random YouTube search and looking <laughs> at somebody who claims to be a doctor and what they say, you also do not want to think about the UMC disaffiliation by getting on YouTube and just searching for somebody who claims that they have authority. I'm just going to help you out. Just This is a life lesson. You do not have to pay me any more for it. But doing your research is not the same as getting on YouTube and searching, right? You have to find reliable sources. So for example, if you're looking for medical information, you don't go to randomyoutubeguy.com. You go to the CDC or you go to the American Academy of Pediatrics or, you know, those kind of things. For the UMC, though, Chris, you, you're you really part of that, part of our denominational structure. Where do we go to find the reliable information, not just somebody who's like, 
posted a video because they're mad about it. Sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> the the homepage for the United Methodist Church is umc.org. Um, and actually, just earlier this week, there were uh, two pages that were put out um, that, that are kind of helpful related to misinformation and disinformation. And the title of the articles is, is the United Methodist Church really dot, dot, dot? And it's part one and part right. two. If you're following along live on Facebook, I put those in the chat. If you're listening uh, as a recorded podcast, we'll make sure that those links are available um, on the podcast page as well. Um, but those articles from umc.org are <clears throat> written by people who have a deep knowledge of the structure of the United Methodist Church uh, and also uh, are aware of the systems and the processes and the mechanisms that are in place uh, for uh, you know, things like disaffiliation, when things actually become official and when they are not. Right. Um, it's a and super I'll tell you, Chris. Yeah, go ahead. Reading some of those, some of those articles, I, it's, it's also helpful from, for a person um, like me, who's trying not to be obsessive about this, but to even hear some of what the disinformation is like stuff that, you know, would we, that, that somehow there's a rumor that, that the United Methodist Church is going to alter its our doctrine on the divinity of Jesus Christ. Right, that's not happening. Not, it's not actually right. not possible. The only way for the United Methodist Church to change our position on the divinity of Jesus Christ is to dissolve the entire denomination and start over. Right, because we have a set of standards, doctrinal standards that can't be changed. That's right. right. So, which is. A nice thing to know, right? When you're when you're trying to process this as a person, um, even if you grew up in the United Methodist Church, you probably don't know some of this sort of technical thing. And you hear somebody say, "Well, the United Methodist Church is going to stop believing in the divinity of Jesus." You say, "Man, that's that would be kind of intense, right?" And totally not true, fortunately. Right. Um, right. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah, misinformation, disinformation. Um, is not just related to sort of public news and that kind of stuff. It definitely is something that right. is a part of the ongoing process that the United Methodist Church finds itself in. So, yeah, I, I would rely on the information and articles that come from umc.org. Um, I would also be very wary of anybody who claims to have um, positional authority to be able to speak on behalf of the United Methodist Church, or on behalf right. of whatever other denomination or church or anything like that, because um, there is only one body that can speak on behalf of the United Methodist Church, and that's called General Conference. Um, yes. and, and that's really important. Yeah. I, I need you to like pause, say it again loud for the people in the back. Like <laughs> that's a, it's a, like even like the like it's only when you're quoting from our, the book of discipline, which the general conference creates, yeah. or the general conference is doing legislation that you are hearing the official voice of the United Methodist church, a bishop who, who I know several bishops who are great people. Um, they will tell you um, that they don't speak for the denomination, mm -hmm. right? Right. General conference is the only thing it does. But when you hear bishop, Right. People are like, oh, they're speaking for the denomination. And that that may be the case in other churches, not in this one. And so you've got to be careful, like we like we said, to get get reliable information 
Um, I'm hoping that the bishops that are talking are there are, I am assuming that they're giving you reliable information, but um, just because a bishop says it doesn't mean it's true. Sure. Um, or a senior pastor or, or senior pastor or a youth or, leader that you know, or a or representative the person, from a, a different denomination office. or a conference office person. Sure. Like it just, um, when, right. when you get to that official level of stuff and, and part of what's made that hard is general conference is supposed to happen every four years, but because of right. COVID delays and those sorts of things, the next one's not happening till 2024. So when Jeremy and I do yeah. say like conversation and decisions are ongoing for a couple of years, like that is the truth because yes. annual conferences have to meet and general conference has to take place in 2024. Um, a, another place, and I guess we should probably wrap it up soon because we've been talking for a yeah. little while, but um, we did publish an article back in April of 2022 uh, that yep. is a resource for youth leaders or youth workers to be able to talk through um, the issues related to disaffiliation in the United Methodist Church. I'll make sure that yep. that link is available as well. Uh, it's very long, so I'm not going to read it out or spell it out, uh, but you can find it on umcyoungpeople.org. Uh, and all of the information mm -hmm. in that one is accurate and taken from uh, umc.org and in consultation with some other folks that really do know the structure and the process of things. Um, it, we really want to encourage you to kind of find that third way, right, in, in a good Methodist sort of movement uh, way of looking at this. Um, you know, right. don't be overly consumed and don't be overly afraid and, and just scared uh, into doing nothing because of the information that's out there. And... Likewise, don't stick your head in the sand and ignore what's going on, but find that sort of third way, find that middle way to engage with the information that's out there, to equip young people and their families to be able to talk about it in your church, and to sort of create a comfort level um, with the topics of conversation that need to be covered as a part of any of the disaffiliation stuff. And I guess right. that's where I would leave it. Jeremy, I don't know if there's anything else you'd like yeah. to And I think that's like really important um uh, I, I really think that that article that you reference on umcyoungpeople.org is really really helpful and it's a really great place to start and then those two articles on umc.org um really like uh take some time read through it um get a good sense of it so that you can tell uh the teenagers that uh that you're working with what's going on and uh, in a way that helps them be well-informed participants in in your church and uh, in, in the denomination. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Jeremy, thanks a ton um, for working through, you know, what isn't the easiest thing to talk about with us today. Right. Um, we really do hope and pray that you youth leaders and youth workers out there have an amazing week ahead of you. Know that you're always in our prayers and we thank you for the difference that you're making in young people's lives. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, look forward to seeing you next Thursday. See you next Thursday.